Welcome to another episode of Acts of the Blood God, an independent RPG podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bailey. Joining me, as always, is my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, Kat. How are you doing today? Well, that's a very loaded question, Nadia. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm all right. I am existing. You ever just have that those weeks where you feel like you're existing and that's it, and that's all you can really manage? I mean, I do have those weeks where I feel like I'm in existing. Yes, that is generally a feeling that I'm having in this world, thankfully. I will be a little worried if I don't feel like I'm existing at some point. Yeah. Once you can feel the void press in on you, you know you have a problem. But as long as you don't feel the void press in on you, you're you're doing okay. It has admittedly been a pretty long week because I think it was on Wednesday or Thursday we got the news about Activision Blizzard. Then all of a sudden, it just felt like the world was pressing in on me at all times. Yeah, um, that was bad enough for me to read as someone like on the kind of on the outskirts of the industry. I'm still in there, but I don't have to pay attention to the really unpleasant stuff the way you do. So I'm I'm sorry for this very exhausting week. Yeah, it was at the end of the day. So that was fun too. So we had to get a story up after hours as well. It just kind of came out of nowhere. And then all of a sudden everybody was talking about it. Yeah, that's really rough. So not only do you have this really nasty news topic to deal with, you have to do it in overtime too. Well, on a happier note, Nadia, it's time for another mailbag. Letter time. It's letter time. It's letter time. We have not done letters in a while, and we apologize for that. We just, uh, these episodes tend to get kind of long enough as it is. Yeah, I mean, there are RPGs coming out, uh, and we will talk about them. We'll just be talking about them next week. In the meantime, I'm going to answer some questions from our community and just generally chill out, relax, have a little more casual episode than we've had in recent weeks. But before we get to that, Acts of the Blood God is an independent RPG, as I already mentioned. If you enjoy the show, do me a favor, leave us a review on the podcatcher of your choice. We are also on Twitter at the underscore catbot. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford and Acts of the Blood God's Twitter is at Blood God Pod, where you can get all of the updates on individual episodes we also have a patreon patreon.com slash pod where we have new episodes going up pretty much every week that are premium nadia has her final fantasy 14 podcast and we've got our pantheon of the blood god which is actually going to be going up later this week with fantasy star very exciting and we're going to kick off voting this week this week's topic is independent rpgs yes we are going to be picking an indie rpg to see if it deserves to go into the pantheon that is very exciting that is a good one i'm looking forward to that everyone make the right choice yes pick disco elysium honestly that's not a bad idea but i'm sure we'll have a lot of great con- uh, candidates because indie rpgs are the new hotness well there are people who will be like well this game's brand new so it doesn't deserve to go in the pantheon or whatever but this is what I can say. Sometimes you just know a quality RPG when you see it. That is absolutely true. And time doesn't necessarily touch a quality RPG, whether the short term or the long term. It's just good all the time. Sometimes you just know when you're going to be talking about an RPG like years later. I mean, Witcher 3 was that case. It's all instinct, baby. <laughs> all instinct. But please look forward to the voting taking place for that starting, I believe, tomorrow as the release of this episode and the fantasy star episode is going up on wednesday and our summer of the rings lord uh return of the king episode went up last week as well in case you missed it so lots of content for all of you people who are subscribing to our patreon 
Okay, Nadia, let's get started with what we are playing right now, our sacrifices to the blood god. Nadia, what is your sacrifice on the altar of the RPG? I have, uh, well, this isn't necessarily an RPG unless we will call it RPG adjacent, but I started up Death's Door. On, I got it for the Xbox. It is very cute. I, I love that crow, I have to say. Uh, I haven't played a whole, whole bunch yet, but I can tell it's already more combat-oriented than, than, than exploration-oriented. I've mentioned in the past that I prefer the latter to the former. Like, I was never a big fan of Hollow Knight, but I absolutely adore Symphony of the Night, of course. So, so far I'm impressed and I really like it. It's definitely a little bit on the harder side, which is fine, but I will see if I end up liking it for what it is. I might because, I mean, uh, Hyperlight Drifter, I adored that. And that's definitely a more combat-oriented game versus exploration-based. So it could go either way at this point. Uh, everyone plays their best to see if Nadia bounces or not. I don't think it's really an RPG because you're not really building up your character, right? There are no, There's no real not. customization to it. You can... Uh, as you collect, I'm trying to remember its souls, you can take them to the um, big crow once you die, and you will die to uh, exchange them for power-ups that are permanent. So it is there is some stat building. So it's an RPG in that sense, but that's like an every game now. (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing. It's definitely RPG adjacent, not purebred RPG. But it's still really cool. It is a gorgeous game. It's isometric. It has a crow with a lightsaber, and there Mm. being some beautiful artwork and i really want to play more of it but i've been playing other games lately so i haven't really had a chance what have you been playing cat i've been playing pokemon unite which is another rpg adjacent game in that (laughs) it's not an rpg it's a moba but it is connected to a great rpg series in pokemon and i've been really digging it i'm not normally a moba person i do not play league of legends for example i did put a lot of hours in the hots heroes of Mm. the storm because it was more casual and everything, but then I kind of bounced on it when people got super toxic and ranked. And the nice thing about Pokemon Unite is that there is no chat function, so people can't yell at you when you're screwing up in ranked play. That's really going to make the difference for me, because I looked at the Pokemon MOBA uh, idea and said, oh, um, I don't know if I want anything to do with this. I don't play MOBAs. I don't understand MOBAs not something i really touch on a regular basis but i figure okay number one i love pokemon so seeing a moba in a pokemon context will be pretty cool i might go i might try with that and no chat like no interaction at all with with randos it's just you and your pikachu yep it's just me and my pikachu because they don't want that (laughs) they don't want cursing and pokemon unite come on there's gonna be like six-year-olds playing that game you have to think about Nintendo's point of view and how they must have even pushed back against this. Like, we want to make uh, a Pokemon game in the most toxic genre known to humanity. Um, I don't know about that. Well, okay, what if we just eliminate chat, period? No chat whatsoever. Okay, we can we can, we can, can deal with that because the last thing Nintendo wants is headlines that say child bullied off Pokemon game or, or something terrible like that. Are MOBAs the most toxic genre? They might be. They're up there. Um, I have heard nothing but nightmares about League of Legends. Not to say, of course, every player's a jerk, but I have not heard good things about the community. Could have changed since I've heard stuff. I don't know. Heroes of the Storm was fine and casual. But when I got into ranked, invariably, there would be that one person who, if you screwed up even a little bit and, you know, died or didn't play your lane or something, they would just start this stream of abuse 
screaming at you about how you're terrible, you don't even know how to play the game, what are you doing, all caps, oh my god, you're the worst person ever, what are you doing? And then it gets in your head and you start playing worse. And of it course keeps you getting do. worse and worse until there comes a point where you're going, why am I even, why am I even doing this? Yeah. Overwatch had this problem too. It just got hella toxic and Blizzard uh, leaned into the toxicity rather than leaning away. And then they wondered why everybody bounced off Overwatch. Yeah, that's a real freaking mystery, isn't it, Blizzard? I will think I will give it a try, a look at least and see, okay, what is the deal with MOBAs? Why are they so popular? Maybe I'll like this. Yeah, find your Pokemon and enjoy it. I really like Alola Ninetales, actually. Oh, good choice. You can attack from range. And what's really fun is that it has ice moves that will slow down enemies. And it's really easy to burst down foes. Mm-hmm. Use Dazzling Gleam and Blizzard. And mm-hmm. that is a good combination, I find. Uh, so there's only one concern about Pokemon Unite, Nadia. It is mm-hmm. very microtransaction-driven, so mm. beware. Yeah, that's one thing I was worried about, because whereas Nintendo might not have to worry about headlines and about uh, their fan base being toxic, now they're going to have to worry about some kid spending a billion dollars of his parents' money to pay to win. Is it a pay-to-win game? It must be. Ish. Pay-to-win-ish. Pay so okay. the deal is... It has all of the usual trappings of MOBAs. You can buy characters and that kind of thing. You can buy cosmetics. It has a battle pass that you can level up. Of but course. the kicker is that it has these held items that enhance your character's stats. And they can be improved normally, okay? But you can also pay money to improve them right away and finish leveling up and max out their level. So okay. early on... It is an accelerated pay to win. And I imagine that people who are willing to shell out the cash to improve all to finish upgrading all of the held items will have an uh, an advantage. Right. But that's right. not going to last forever, but initially it's going to be a pain. Yeah, definitely. I will say, though, I'm a petty person and sometimes I pay for skins and stuff like that just to flaunt it over the children. <laughs> that's the only reason I do it. Hey, kids, I have a job. Ooh, you go to school. <laughs> also, they capped out the amount of coins you can get per day, which is super right. annoying. Okay. Is that one of the ways to protect themselves or just another way to get you to buy They don't want into... people just sitting there grinding instead of mm. paying money. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because they want you to pay money for your coins. Figures. Okay. So you can pay for the coins then. Uh, yeah. There's a premium currency that you can buy that can be used to buy new Pokemon, cosmetics, um, improvements for your held items, that sort of thing. So... Lots of microtransactions. I mean, the blowback against it, uh, on the one hand, it's it's not that bad. But on the other hand, par for the course is still, like, not great. I, I do, I'm not a big fan of these super heavy microtransaction-driven models. No. And there are going to be people who are going to spend outrageous amounts of money. There are people who are like, oh, yeah, if you spend 100 bucks, that's a good baseline. I'm like, $100? <laughs> are you kidding me? No, thanks. There's, there's a million things I could think of that I'd rather spend $100 on. Yeah, but yeah, no, it's um, the best thing about this game is, first of all, I like the way that they realized the Pokemon that that is really well done. Mm -hmm. Um, Every Pokemon feels true to its depiction in the actual game and they play different roles. It's uh, deeper than it looks in terms of the actual strategy. But at the same time, matches go by really fast. They're done in like 10 minutes. So, okay, yeah, it's quite addictive in that regard. It would be. It definitely sounds like it has that one more time quality that's so lethal. 
And everybody's having a lot of fun playing as Snorlax and things like that. Because <laughs> Snorlax is like super fun to play as. What did it do? Just block the way and get no yeah, one you do like, fall on people, yawn, just yeah. like, heal yourself. It's a big old tank. He is the ultimate tank. Yeah. But like I said, I like Alolan Ninetales. I've been experimenting with some others. Um, they're Pokemon from all different uh, generations and everything, and they all have their own personalities. Gengar is apparently quite good, but I yeah, Gengar's not... always been pretty good, though. Gengar's usually been a safe bet. I recently got enough money to buy a new one, and I thought really hard about getting Gengar, but I had enough of that type already, so I decided <laughs> to get a quote-unquote all-rounder. I bought a Lucario from Diamond oh, good choice. Though Lucario's kind of hard to use, so... I remember Lucario, he debuted in uh, Ruby and Sapphire, correct? Yes. Yeah, because no, people... No, he, 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 sorry. He debuted in Diamond and Pearl, not yet. Oh, okay, because people were calling him like a Mewtwo wannabe, and everyone hated him at first, but now everyone loves Lucario. I'd say Lucario is one of the most popular Pokemon to come out of that generation. Oh, easily. But at first, everyone was so resistant to how cute he was. They're like, no, I deny him. Cute. He's very cute. cute very cute him. little fox guy. Yeah. Uh, I probably should have gotten Garchomp instead, which is the other Diamond and Pearl, another Diamond and Pearl representative. He's a big old street shark. But oh, yeah. I love Garchomp. Land shark. But yes. I, uh, I don't like Garchomp, actually, even though uh, Garchomp is the Pokemon most associated with my absolute favorite character in Pokemon, which is Cynthia, the, the champion of the Sinnoh region. Is Garchomp the final evolution or is there one more? No, that's the final evolution. Okay. But there's a okay, Mega Garchomp. That might be what I'm thinking of. Yeah, he's he's kind of cute. Yeah, he's adorable. Yeah, I like Sharpedo I guess better. If though. you're if you're into that kind of if you're into that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I could deal with him, but I do my, like Lola Nine Tails. So every Pokemon has a quote unquote pseudo legendary, or um, you know, kind of a a Pokemon that's very very powerful that would be associated with a particular gym leader. So like uh, Ruby and Sapphire would be Metagross, and I like Metagross mm. more than I like. I Garchomp. love Metagross, like. Pokemon Go, Metagross is just like tanks through everything. Met Metagross is great. And I think Black and Whites is Haxorus, which uh, I named mine Precious and it was black. And <laughs> I really liked it a lot. It was quite pretty. But I named my, I always named my Haxorus Hackasaurus or Hackasaurus because that's, that's the name of uh, a character in Dragon Quest games. Beyond that, as for actual RPGs that I'm playing, I started up uh, Chris Tales the other day oh did you okay because yes, I, I was kind of on or off about that i will play because i'm sure we'll be talking about it but i've heard good and bad put it that way um a lot of technical problems have you heard have you had any problems like that nope not so far i've been playing on xbox series x because it's on game pass mm -hmm. and i have right. to say it looks quite beautiful on my high refresh rate monitor so <laughs> On Cat's precious monitor, it looks fantastic. Pretty, you're, pretty you're... monitor. It's so gorgeous, Nadia. Holy cow. It is a gorgeous looking game. Even when I previewed it, which was just a, a video presentation, I was really impressed with how nice it looked. I was disappointed that we didn't get that preview build, but uh, sounds like it turned out okay. Yeah, it sounds like that most of the technical problems are surprise, surprise, the Nintendo Switch version. Of course. Spe yeah. Specifically load times. It has very long load right. times. That's funny to imagine, but uh, I guess I'm not surprised. I'm actually noticing load times now that I bounce from my PlayStation 5 to my Switch and back again. And you see, like, PlayStation 5, no load times. Switch. Oh, you got to wait a bit. That's uh, a little annoying. 
yeah. I really like not having many load times on my Xbox. So I still yeah. play games on my Nintendo Switch, obviously, and I still think it holds up better than a lot of people give it credit for. But in this instance, I think I would rather play it on my very fancy TV than on my uh, Nintendo Switch. But Yeah, I'm actually going to go ahead and grab the Game Pass version because we have Game Pass. And um, if there really are technical issues on the Switch, I'd rather just have it on the Xbox. So beyond that, I think a lot of people were saying that the combat is monotonous. I haven't mm. really had a lot of opportunities to delve into the combat yet. I'm still quite early on, but it reminds me of Super Mario RPG in that you slash an enemy and then when they attack you, you hold block and can't you do a timed block much like you would in, say, Super Mario RPG to do less damage. And then there are skills. Uh, so, right. yeah, not not that different from that kind of standard fare. I think the mostly the the reason that you would play this game is for the unique concept, which is the time, which is uh, kind of nifty, and then just the sheer loveliness of the art style, which I think is really strong. Yeah, and the time concept, just to kind of refresh people, is where you enter a town, I think, or a battlefield, and you have the past, future, and present all kind of there in one screen, and things you do in the in the in the future screen can affect your bat your uh what happens in the present and vice versa and it's just a you're basically playing around of time on the fly you're totally unstuck in time so it's a really unique concept for an rpg or for a game in general although i do hear it's marred by uh yes i remember this actually when i saw the preview random encounters uh probably i have not gotten to the point where i can have actual random encounters yet yeah because i do remember asking, hey, uh, are there going to be random encounters in the final version? They're like, yeah, okay. So uh, see how that works for you. So I'm going to play a lot more this week, and then I will have a more formal review next week for you. So please look forward to that, along with Neo, the end world ends with you. And before we finish talking about what we're playing at the moment, I also have to give a shout out to Super Robot Wars T, which I started playing again because i'm so hyped for super robot wars 30 coming out on steam and the steam deck and everything i was like i want it now 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 (laughs) wait a minute i got a super robot wars game that looks pretty much like super robot wars 30 so i started playing super robot wars t which is a relatively easy game it's available in english it's on nintendo switch and i've been really enjoying my time with it and the thing that stands out to me is that if you are really into Universal Century Gundam, specifically Char's Counterattack and Gundam Double Zeta, this is the game for you. This It does a really good job with those. It also has Harlock uh, in a fairly uh, substantial role. Cowboy Bebop is there, but it is not represented at all. There's like one episode. Oh. It's really disappointing that they did not give any time to Cowboy Bebop. It's just a throw-in. It's a real bummer. Magic Knight Ray Earth is in there as well, and it's very faithful to his depiction of from Clamp. And uh, there are others. Uh, G Gundam is in there. It's not as prominent, and like I have my qualms with it, but G Gundam is also a lot of fun. So I like having it in there. Super Robot Wars T, I just really enjoy being able to have the option to side with either Char or Haman Karn. Uh, yes, Haman. I can't all the remember way. who's good or bad. They're both bad. Okay. They're both villains. Yeah. I okay, choose to side I, with Haman. I know Char is bad because I know that much about Gundam. And we've talked in the past about Haman. They just literally took the name of a dictator from the 
Megillah, well, but... Well, yeah. Nadia, after the fall of Zeon, there was the <laughs> second Zeon that was Neo-Zeon. <laughs> wow, it's a, it, it's very much its own history, of yes. course, right there. Um, yes. Regarding Cowboy Bebop, I don't know if you're the one who told me this, but I heard it's just not popular in Japan the way it is here. It's just not as well known because it yeah. was playing at like midnight. It was very much a prestige uh, prestige anime that I was almost said prestige JRPG. And yeah. so people weren't paying attention to it in the same way. And then it came over here and it was airing on Cartoon Network. So people were able to actually watch it. So Cowboy right. Bebop was very much in the hardcore otaku who were really appreciating the form kind of thing. And then it came here and found a mass appeal. That's funny that it happened that way. I wonder if it would have done better in Japan with more exposure. Maybe. Maybe if they hadn't been playing it at midnight. Yeah. <laughs> that usually is a detriment to whatever showing. On a hard station in Japan. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so that's, uh, I guess they even just put it in there for almost that Western appeal. But Absolutely. of course it's not going to be. Super Robot you know. Wars T sold better in the West than it did in Japan. Oh, really? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. It sold mm-hmm. insanely well um, overseas. That's why they're making... That's why they're making Super Robot Wars 30 available uh, to Western audiences on Steam because they're like, so Westerner, more Westerners buy this freaking series than Japanese people at this point. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, I'm surprised it took them this long to really kind of make it more uh, localized. Though SRW 30 is much more to- geared toward Japanese fans, I think, because it has a lot of nostalgic uh, mech series that just mm-hmm. never really hit over here, like the original OG Gundam. And right. things like that. Uh, some classic robot series. So uh, it's it's geared more toward nostalgia than anything. Anyway, that's my Super Robot Wars talk. <laughs> <laughs> that is the Super Robot Wars report from Cat Bailey. All right, let's continue on to the news. Top story, Nadia. Things at Activision Blizzard are dot, 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 bad. Yeah, that's uh, that's an understatement, Nadia. So this is what happened Basically, at the end of the day on Wednesday, it came out that the state of California, the state where I happen to live and where Activision Blizzard is based, is suing Activision Blizzard for a frat culture and numerous reports of harassment, including, uh, and this is a warning, an extremely horrific story about a person who took their own life in part due to harassment. It is a really stomach-churning report to read. A lot of it is specifically focused on Blizzard. There are a lot of allegations of a really problematic drinking culture at Activision mm. Blizzard, where they would do things like cube crawls, where people after work would go and uh, go drinking, basically. So um, Activision released a really stern, uh, stern, I, that's a bad word, a very strongly worded retort saying that basically (laughs) state of California is overstepped its bounds and did this prematurely. And we already, uh, we already addressed all of this. So we're going to show that this is like completely not a problem, but Bloomberg and other outlets have been already doing reporting showing that yes, actually it is a problem. People are coming out and talking about it. So this is not going away anytime soon and this is just one more instance of like it's just been a bad time especially for blizzard (laughs) very very bad time nadia it has not been good um now this particular uh instance is allegations 
Now, is this around Activision Blizzard specifically or Blizzard or all of it? More Blizzard. Okay. But I was wondering about that. I think Activision Blizzard is getting pulled into it as well, but the majority of the um, allegations are being specifically directed at Blizzard. And I mean, there was a video from 2010 that was shown of somebody saying, hey, can you like not make World of Warcraft characters like yes. super sexualized and everything? And they basically made fun of her from the during the panel, like these people, including Jay Allen Brack, who were sitting there, he's the president of Blizzard, sitting there on that panel just goofing on her. And like the look on her face was devastating, honestly. It was an excruciating video to watch. It really it was. It was. She looked extremely uncomfortable for good reason because basically she asked a very sensible question and they literally laughed at her. Like just first thing, like people clapped for her and the first thing they did was laugh. Well, you can, I, I'm going to divulge that I am working on a report for this um, over at IGN right now. And I will say that I talked to a source at, uh, from Blizzard who, when I was like, so what do you think? They were like, well, it's not surprising at all. Yeah, I think what's kind of distressing the most is how not surprised I am about this whole thing. Although I was thinking, I have worked in this industry most of my life, and I've worked alongside the grooming industry as well, yeah. which is a very different sort of atmosphere. And I just wonder, this particular brand of, of frat boy toxicness, so many of us were nerds and we grew up kind of spited. And now that we have uh, the power, for lack of a better term, we're just like, hey, we can act however the hell we want. Like, I wonder if that's a problem. I mean, go back to when we were growing up. Like, yeah, I would say that boys and girls were playing the NES in equal measure, right? The yes. NES was cast kind of a white net, but... Once you kind of got older, then video games definitely became to be seen as kind of a boy's hobby, right? And you mm -hmm. were seen as an outlier as a girl if you were playing games. Like, I was definitely a weirdo going to LAN parties and everything when I was a teenager and everything. So, yeah, like, and that culture of the hobbyist, the hobbyist culture or, like, the no girls allowed kind of culture definitely calcified and if you look at the people who are in charge of these companies still, they came up in a culture where, you know, this was the case, like that video games were a boys club, no girls allowed and everything. Definitely a frat boy atmosphere. Um, I mean, you think back to even the mid 90s when EA first got started and there would be these, you know, these stories about like, oh, they have nerf fights and there's a real uh, jocular attitude around this. Mm -hmm. That's carried over. Like the, a lot of those people are still involved with these publishers. People like J. Allen Brack, they've been around uh, Blizzard for more than 20 years at this point. So uh, frankly, at a certain point, a new generation needs to come in and start to change things. Now, Activision Blizzard itself is a, I, I don't like using the term old school, but or traditional, but they have not evolved with the times, clearly, mm -hmm. in terms of how they approach this stuff. Some companies have. Like, this is not all always the case. Like, I hear praise in particular for EA. Everybody yeah. loves to dig at EA and say how awful they are. And frankly, I do have a lot of qualms with, especially with FIFA Ultimate Team and how they approach microtransactions. But they have a vice president who is solely devoted to like diversity. 
they actually seem to care about promoting diversity. They have a lot of women in key leadership positions. Whereas if you look at Activision Blizzard, the proof is in the leadership. There are no <laughs> women at the top there. It's all white guys. Yeah, um, I do have to say, I have observed the culture changing a little bit, even though there are still, of course, too many horrendous examples like the one we're going through right now. I, I was thinking about it and how things have resisted change for so long. Like I've been on the internet since the ancient times when, as the joke goes, there are no women on the internet. There really were no women on the internet in the in the yeah. uh, online fan bases I was on. And for it, it, when that happened, when I first started using the internet, you know, I met many guys and uh, my husband included, and many of them were great. They were awesome guys. Hey, you want to talk yeah. about RPGs? You want to talk about Mega Man? Sure, we can do that. Let's have fun. And then there, there were a lot who hit on you in like the most disturbing way possible because I almost feel like they thought it was expected. And they're like, oh, here's a woman. It's so I am a man and I it is my job to hit on her. That is what she wants, obviously, because she is a woman on the internet. This is something that nature has intended us to do. And of course, we're looking at very, very binary genders right here, but just the way it was back then. LOL, ASL. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when our parents told us not to talk to strangers on the internet and now they believe everything terrible, that's every lie that's populated? You just learned not to share your gender. Yes on yes, the internet absolutely. because the second you did it got so toxic so fast yeah i mean i had i wrote fanfic and stuff and that was kind of my big entry into yeah. the the fandom and people would write like erotic stories to my fan character and say here you go i wrote this for you thank you <laughs> <laughs> i'll put it here on the fridge and I think what a lot of guys don't realize is when they say, hey, baby, you know, just, and uh, are kind of awful and the woman laugh, the women aren't happy. They don't laugh because they're happy. It's a defense mechanism. It is totally a defense mechanism. What am I supposed to do if someone hands me an erotic fan fiction starring my character that I did not solicit at all? Uh, I'm just going to be like, thanks. Uh, uh, I'm going to go over here now, but see you later. Or then you think about 10 years ago in the games media how hard like the two of us had to work to even get a job. Like we were allowed yes. in to be freelancers. Maybe we could get a position as an entry level person, but actually moving up the rings, being able to work at high level publications, it was so closed off because there are all of these guys who were all friends. Mm -hmm. We're probably going to, they were drinking buddies there was a real atmosphere uh, and an attitude about women where they were like, oh, if you're a woman, like you need to be like a presenter. You need to be a mm -hmm. certain type of woman and then we'll hire you. Like, it'll be fine. Like, unless you're a freaking genius, really good writer, you know, like there were people like Leia Alexander, but they were the minority in this time. You know, people like Kevin McDonald were the minority and it's getting better now, but even now, so many women who are in the games media are being harassed horribly, who are sitting here wondering, why am I even bothering? If yeah. I put one toe out of line, I am going to get an avalanche of shit, pardon my language, just an absolute avalanche. And I know it, like, it feels like to me, like the eye of Sauron, you know? Yeah, if I mess up is. even a little bit, the eye of Sauron's going to fix on me and I better just freaking hide and turn off yeah. all of my mentions <laughs> because it's going to become 
freaking wretched in a hurry, you know? Yeah, no. It could absolutely destroy your week, your month, your year if you're the target of a harassment campaign. And it's usually for something so stupid like uh, Katie saying, oh, I didn't like Horizon Zero Dawn that much. Holy crap. Now, God it, forbid it, you say that you uh, review games on easy mode. Oh, no, forget that. Forget I, I, that. I, it's over. They're coming over. for you. And it's You're because it's, there's this boys club mentality. It's like, well, I was a hobbyist. This is a hobbyist thing. And then women came in and ruined it. I mean, I loved 1UP. That was absolutely the place I gave him my break. But mm. I remember covering 1UP 2006 for E3. And it was just the office, our little portable office, was just full of guys. It was all guys and a couple yeah. of girls. I was one of them. Yeah, it's all dudes, you know. And I enjoyed hanging out with guys for the most yeah, part. Yeah, me too. Because, I don't know, I liked video games. I like sports. I can talk about these topics with these dudes. You know, I tend to get along with them pretty well. But there's no denying that there's a pretty... I don't know, frat-like atmosphere, especially in the games media 10 years ago. And it's no different in these in these uh, publishers, unfortunately, mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. absolute highest levels. Dudes getting together, drinking, making decisions around, you know, while they're having some scotch, and then hiring their pals that they know from other companies. And that is how you develop a culture, like the one that you're seeing in Activision Blizzard. Anyway, this is stuff that we've ranted about a hundred times before, but it's back in the discourse. The discourse, I have to say, Nadia, has been particularly cursed over the past (laughs) month. It was just like, oh God, here comes the difficulty in video games discourse. It's back. And now it's this discourse. It's a never ending. It's never ending because it never gets better. I forgot we even had a discussion about discourse because this got, this swallowed it up instantly. Every time something happens, it gets swallowed up and it only lasts for a day practically. But uh, I have seen, I think my favorite part of this discourse was having people saying, well, let's wait for the proof. What more proof do you need? It's in court. <laughs> it's gone to state court. Good God. But I do have to say to end on a good note, at least people are learning, not all at the same pace, not all at the same time, but... The fact that we even have these discussions as painful and terrible and as messy as they get, I just think they never used to happen. This sort of culture would never have been brought out into the light like Hmm. 10 years ago even. So we are dragging this out into the light. We are kind of doing the whole exorcism thing. And I mean, like you said, EA has changed, uh, at least I mean, they had their reckoning, you know, in the 2000s. Exactly. So. I mean, I have—I don't know everything about the details here, but I hear Rockstar has changed a lot too since uh, they were outed as an, a kind of an abusive company. In terms of their I, culture, yeah, like in yeah. terms of crunch, for sure. So there are improvements that happen when we talk about these things, and I think that's why I think it is so important to talk about these things. Uh, coming up next, unionization and everything in the oh, here video we go. game industry. Yeah. <laughs> but that's for another episode. More discourse. It never ends. Oh, jeez. Well, Nadia... Perhaps on a more positive note, let's talk about the critically acclaimed MMORPG Final Fantasy XIV, which is so popular lately, its servers are basically melting down. (laughs) And Naoki Yoshida apologized for the login troubles. Nadia, you're an FF14 fan. It sounds like it hasn't been as bad for you, though. No, I think that is because I am on the primal server slash ultros, and I don't think that's one of the really heavily affected servers. What happened to cause all this was, well, several things just kind of came home to roost. Number one, the pandemic is really increasing the numbers. 
Uh, number two, a couple of streamers, really big streamers, don't ask me which ones, I'm old, started playing and they actually made a show of abandoning World of Warcraft or at least giving, uh, kind of putting it aside in favor of trying out Final Fantasy XIV. And they're like, hey, we like this game. So that was a huge influx of people right there. I think the disappointment in the last World of Warcraft thing that we talked about a couple of episodes ago and how kind of it was a really lame wrap up with Sylviana, Sylvana, um, Sylvanas. Sylvanas, yes. That was a Don't want the wow folks coming after us. Oh God, the women got the name wrong. (laughs) We're good. I'm good. Yeah, you're all fine. All the Blood God listeners are great. We have a very wholesome community. We do have a very good fan base. And and thank you so much for being good, wholesome people. Thank you for not being toxic. We really appreciate it. We honestly do. By the way, come come by our Discord sometime. It's wonderful. Yeah, we do have a very nice Discord that's very active. And a lot of them play Final Fantasy XIV. Hey, there you go. So that's another reason, I guess, there was an influx. Of course, it was a small one for us. But yeah, there are people who have kind of abandoned WoW because they don't, they were just uh, really pissed off about that ending. And, but then there's also increases in Japan and, and Asian, in Asia in general. And I don't know what's behind those. Just, hey, why the hell not? So uh, some servers have these huge wait times to get in. I've actually heard instances of people not being able to get into a town. Limso Lominso, one of the hub towns, because there were too many people and they had to wait outside. That's great. But uh, they are fixing the issues and saying, you know, sorry, we're doing this, we're doing that. And like I said, I have not had too many problems, so I can't measure it against anything. But I hope everyone's getting in and, and petting their cap boys as necessary. Well, I continue in the theme of dragging Activision Blizzard. This been a lot of comparisons of Final Fantasy XIV with the fortunes of World of Warcraft. There have been some high-profile defections from the streamers, though Yoshida, a few days ago, did a stream in which World of Warcraft came up, and actually, he was defending World of Warcraft and saying, you know, I really don't like the comparisons that are being made between FF14, this idea that FF14 has defeated Wow. He said, FF14, a realm reborn, would not exist without World of Warcraft. He's like, I am a big fan of World of Warcraft. He took a lot of ideas that were codified in WoW and put them in FF14. He said, this game had 12 million subscriptions at one point. He called it Everest. He said, we're never reaching that. (laughs) Right? (laughs) And he's like, so yeah, FF14 is great. WoW is still WoW. They coexist. Please stop comparing them as if we are big rivals because we're not. Yeah. I love WoW. No, absolutely. I don't want a world in which there's only one subscription-based MMORPG. That would make me kind Even of Even if it's a critically acclaimed RPG. Even if it's a critically acclaimed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That has that, da, 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 da. I have heard, and this is the tittle tattle from 4chan, so really take it as you will, but I have heard a insider say, a quote-unquote insider, say that Blizzard is, Activision Blizzard is not treating, they're trying to ignore Final Fantasy XIV's success versus them, the higher ups, not the not the lower people in the team who say, hey, look at this cool thing Final Fantasy XIV is doing where they interact with their fans doing this event and that event. Why don't we do something like that? And the higher ups apparently are saying, no, it's fine. We're all, we'll always be fine because people will always be playing World of Warcraft. And it's exactly what got Final Fantasy XIV 1.0 in such trouble because they were like, 
WoW doesn't exist. It's fine. It's over there. We're doing our own thing. And it was Yoshi P who said, okay, you know what? We got to take what WoW was doing and put it into a Final Fantasy context because we're not going to survive otherwise. So ignore the competition at your own peril. It just never goes right. I'm not a WoW player, so I don't have a lot. Uh, so it's difficult for me to have a lot of opinions. But based on what I've played of F14 and WoW over the years and what I have observed, it does seem like there's a different design philosophy. Mm-hmm. And World of Warcraft is designed strictly around retention, and there's a strong mobile gaming vibe to it. And it focuses super hard on the raids, especially now because they're... Uh, di- director Ian Hazakastas. He is an ex-raid develop designer. Like he is all about the raids. He was a hardcore raid raiding guild guy back during the Burning Crusade days. So he's in charge. He's setting the philosophy, and you're seeing it play out. And wow, actually, from all by all accounts, the new raids are really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just that the rest of the game is a bit of a mess, including the story. Whereas in FF14. It is designed not around retention at all costs, end game content, raid, um, get people in for the new expansion with the fancy new conceit. It is based more upon world building and storytelling. And that is a critical difference. And I think that's why people are far more loyal to FF14, because it's just easier to be invested in that world. I think you're right about that because Final Fantasy XIV, if it has nothing else, it has content. Content, 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 especially story-related content. Like, right now, obviously, I'm waiting for Endwalker like everyone else. But in the meantime, I have so many things, so many jobs to level up. And each job you level up comes with this incredible story most of the time. So that's really something you can invest in. I don't care about the raids. I don't even think I've done the raids yet that were in the last expansion. Just... Uh, I have so many that I still need to do, and all of the raids are also connected to the story. There's just so much you can do while you're waiting, and that's only if you want to. There's really nothing about Final Fantasy XIV that says you absolutely must do this, except for the Crystal Tower raid, because that goes into Shadowbringers. But it's there if you want it, and that's what counts. I mean, hell, I have an apartment I can decorate if I want to. I can put my own music in there if I want to. I'm at a little cafe, and I have these little catfish people who are manning it. It's a lot of fun, but it's not something I have to commit to every day. And that's really, really, really important. You don't have an actual plot of land, right? Because apparently there's a real estate shortage in FF14. Oh, massive. I am actually part of a free company that has a house. and Look at I have you. Yeah, yeah. I have a house, and that's important because houses have chocobo staples. Uh, staples. And I wanted to change my chocobo's color, so that you can only do that with a stable. So I did, and now I have a red chocobo. That's dope. I would totally have a black chocobo. I tried to do a black chocobo, but it has like it's such a like convoluted square enix way to change the color. You have to like feed your chocobo fruits. Um. So I fed my chocobo a bunch of fruits that like are supposed to balance the RGB, but I screwed it up and I ended up with like a another chocobo that was midnight blue and it was really pretty. Oh, and I said, you know what? That's I pretty. Like Why this. didn't you stick with that? <laughs> I did. I stuck with it. I, I oh. that, so my other chocobo and my alt is a, a blue chocobo and in flag. My other chocobo. My other chocobo. <laughs> this Jesus. is my other chocobo. <laughs> this is the one I ride on weekends because, you know. <laughs> and finally, Nadia, it's the Tokyo Olympics. And this is where I get on my high horse and say that I am totally boycotting the Olympics this year. I don't want to support it. It is toxic as a gal. Get out. Should not be happening. 
But hey, there was a really cool Google Doodle that was kind of like an RPG meets track and field with heavy anime vibes, and it was super neat. So that was fun. Yeah, I did play that. It was actually very, very cute. It's a little, it's a little quest where you're a little cat, and you go from place to place in this kind of stadium that's shaped like Tokyo or Japan in general, and you beat other characters in events and collect the scrolls for them. And it's very, very JRPG, and it's very cute. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I, I don't want this to be like the bummer-ass podcast of Bummer 2021, but yeah, I have not been invested in the Olympics at all. I am not not impressed with any of it. So when I heard like, oh, look, they're marching out to video game music, and yeah. I couldn't even get myself excited about that because number one, I think it was a last-minute replacement because the composer was fired for being an awful person. <laughs> yes. And then admitting that he bullied children nearly to death. So I think they had to have a stand-in. So they have this medley, which is cool, but when you listen to it, it's like uh, 50% Squaresoft music, 25% um, Sega music, and the rest is kind of like dribs of drabs of like Konami and, and Capcom music, like Monster Hunter. And you realize, number one, okay, it is if you're going to have a video game medley, if this was planned from the very start, how could you not have Nintendo music in there? And that's to me, is what makes the whole thing seem so rushed and half-assed is that I think, like I said, they needed a replacement. Oh, Nintendo's either boycotting or Nintendo is not really comfortable with his rights being used. Okay, well, Nintendo's out. The number one company associated with video games in Japan is out. We're not using them for this for this ceremony. And number two, I don't know. I feel like if it was a last-minute replacement, that's kind of skanky, for lack of a better term. I'm sorry, that's not a very proper term. I shouldn't use that. But I don't think it was really done with with really great intentions i feel like it's a second video games playing second banana to whatever was supposed to happen so i don't really feel proud or happy or like thrilled that video games are being acknowledged because i love video game music you love video game music and to have it kind of as a consolation prize here is just really weird and strange and i don't really uh, i i wanted to be happy about it but i couldn't be and i'm sorry about that everyone yeah it's too bad and because I don't know, like this could have been a really cool moment for Japan. Um, in Japan, the 1964 Olympics are viewed or kind of revered because that was Japan's coming out party, I suppose. It's, yeah. We're back after, yeah. uh, you know, after World War II. And I think there was kind of this similar hope of going uh, 2020 Olympics. This is going to show that Japan is still great, you know. And there was a nationalist aspect to it that I don't love. But yeah, there's that. I kind of wanted Japan to be good because it feels like so many things have been bad ever since the mid 90s for Japan. And then, you know, it was kind of just super bad luck that was compounded by insanely toxic, um, just the IOC being insanely topic, toxic, the actual Japanese Olympic community committee being very toxic and it's just been bad vibes all around for the olympics so i'm not going to watch it but uh, that google doodle was pretty nice and seeing google all doodle of those people fun. coming out to jrpg music whatever it was cool i'm into it it was but. cool yeah i i mean like i said i don't mean to be a, a real downer debbie downer wah, wah, but it's just the way i feel i just i just feel like the olympics as you said they could have been good and it's I feel really bad for Japan because for the same reasons you went over and reading about the ceremony opening ceremony they were supposed to have. It sounded so cool. Like they had Akira references. And of course they did because it's Tokyo 2020 Olympics. But 
COVID, you know what? People have not learned, and I hope they will learn eventually, that germs do not care. They mm. just don't care about our economy. They don't care about our Olympics. They don't care, and we don't recognize that. We don't pay any sort of respect for these little tiny microscopic invaders that can totally screw us up. We keep thinking, well, the We'll just economy it away or something. I don't know what we're doing. We're going to economy it away. We the totally economy are. will fix everything. Yeah. Hooray. Oh, no. we don't. People don't want to work. I wonder why. Well, that was kind of a bummer town of a news segment. Sorry, everyone. We'll do a lot better next time. Is there a way that we can end this on a positive note, Nadia? Um. Let's see. Uh, I love my cats. Oh, your cat? Um, I want a cat. That'd you should nice get a cat. A cat. Cats, cat. Your name is Cat. You should have a cat. I should. I feel like I'm not on brand lately. (laughs) (laughs) You mean you have your feral cats? Yeah. Here's a good news item. I went to our local, our local arcade high scores came back. Oh, good. I love high scores so much. It has these wonderful MAME arcades, has a Guitar Hero arcade. Ah. It has uh, these custom cabs with NES and Super NES and Smash Brothers Melee. It's great. Wonderful okay, place. see that that's cool. See, not only do you get to return to an arcade, you get to go out. I have been going out more. I'm fully vaccinated. People around here are still really good about wearing their masks, thankfully. So I've been getting out with my husband. You know, even just shopping is nice now. I mean, no, I'm lying. Shopping always sucks, but it's good <laughs> to get out. I had to. I went to my nephew's birthday party. He loves Pokemon. Yeah. I said, "What's your favorite Pokemon?" He said, "Rushroom." Rushroom. Rushroom. It's the black and white, it's the black and white legendary. Yeah. And I'm like, what kind of obscure ass Pokemon are you making me look after? So I, I looked at merchandise. Of course, there's no freaking merchandise for Reshiram. So oh, yeah. But stuffed least... Reshiram. Come on. There's a plush toy of it. It sold out everywhere. But at least there was a uh, pinata with Pikachu. And uh, my dad was saying, wouldn't it be funny if there was like, you know, like used syringes in there or something? <laughs> that's, not, that's not funny, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's terrible, but it's, it's my father's sense of humor is where I get it from. Wow. It is totally sold out. That sucks. Yeah. Wow. So I got him a stuffed Lucario and I got him a, um, uh, like a, a kind of a Gyarados toy. And I also got him the Super Mario Encyclopedia, which my husband helped edit. So that's nice. Uh, we gave him a copy of that. I have, an, I have a nice news item to go out on, Nadia. Okay. Our pins have gone out to everybody. Hooray. Woo. Yeah, I am so excited to get mine. I assume you sent it. Not yet. Tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> okay. But the pins are going out. People have been receiving them. They look great on everything. Totally makes uh, this multi-month journey to get them made totally worth it. I got mine in the mail. I was like, man, this is a lot cooler than even I kind of anticipated. So. Great. People have been sending us pictures. Continue to send us your pictures. They look really cool. Mm-hmm. I really hope we can do more merch in the future. I do too. In fact, I think that that is something that could be happening sooner than you think. But all right, Nadia, this is a mailbag episode. Let's get to the mailbag. We'll be right back. Yep, Nadia, as I mentioned, this week is a mailbag episode. We solicited mail questions from our listeners in the Discord. And this is what they asked us this week, Nadia. This one is from Witch Stalker. 
We talk a lot about our favorite, the best RPGs of all time here for obvious reasons, but what are Kat and Nadia's favorite games that aren't RPGs? Nadia, go. I would have to say it is a tie between Symphony of the Night and Mega Man X. I think Symphony is the best shining example of a Metroidvania ever. It has a few flaws that could be, you know, stand to be touched up in the new age, but it doesn't affect the gameplay as far as I'm concerned. Mega Man X to me is just the perfect action game. It's so tight, so perfect, so fun to play. When I sit down and play it, I always feel like it's the first time because it, and at the same time, it feels so familiar to me. It's a really nice, comforting feeling. Uh, so yeah, those would be my two big answers right there. I mean, those are good choices. And I think, Nadia, that, I mean, we both have a strong retro bent here. I spend, when I'm not playing RPGs, I spend a lot of time playing platformers and things like that. Shoot 'em ups I love shoot 'em ups I have never been, you know what, like, I did play a lot of bullet hell games on mobile because for a while Cave was releasing a lot of those on mobile. And I did enjoy them a lot, but it's funny, shooters are not something I grew up with, nor do I go back to them. I just find them really comfortable. I love going to arcades. I mentioned high scores earlier. Right. I love the feeling of standing at a stand-up arcade, playing a beat-em-up or a shmup or something like that in a game where I'm getting just high scores and plugging in quarters and everything because it very much brings me back to when I was growing up. I love Gradius. I love um, I love the various Capcom arcade games. They're just, they really fill me up in kind of a, a warm way, but... As for Mega Man X, you know, the thing that's interesting about Mega Man X is that uh, I talked about it on Retronauts, and it made me realize how different it is from classical Mega Man. Absolutely. Classical Mega Man is way more platforming oriented. Mega Man X is way more combat oriented. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you're onto something there as well as here's something interesting that happened. Mega Man 7 released uh, just after Mega Man X2, I think. So you have two very different styles of Mega Man gameplay. And a lot of people thought, well, Mega Man 7, why would you take this step back? Like, why would you get rid of wall jumping? Why would I don't understand why this happened. And in retrospect, even though Mega Man 7 has many flaws, I feel like the very design of it is totally valid, where Capcom said, okay, this is the classic Mega Man gameplay style. We are going back to this just to kind of give it a try again. And maybe people were confused, but I could totally see what Capcom was doing at the time. And I think you're right about that. Mega Man X is far quicker, far more mobile, far more forgiving. That wall jump will save your ass every single time. You don't have that in in regular Mega Man. You, In fact, you have to often rely on the rush jet if you want that absolute certainty that you're going to make that jump. As for Symphony of the Night, I think it's an amazing game, but I'm actually I actually prefer Rondo of Blood. No, 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 man, not me. No, I could not. Rondo is just something that I try to get into over and over and over again. I just stop every time. I got it on my PC Engine Mini, and I made it my business to get good at it enough that I could beat it consistently. And playing it, I just I appreciate it a little more every time. The amazing soundtrack, how much fun it is to fight the actual monsters. Uh, the elaborate levels that you can explore, uh, just how pretty the various bosses are. It is a it's a great game, and I really enjoy it. I agree, it is a great game. I and I I totally agree with the things you're saying about the bosses and the graphics and the level design is really clever. Like the the idea of having a Castlevania game where you fell down a pit 
and that wasn't death. That was just another part of the level that was really revolutionary for its time. And I, it, one of the big disappointments about the SNES adaptation was that it got rid of all of that. But I just, something about the difficulty of the levels, it just doesn't grab me in a way that makes me say, hey, I want to keep on playing this. This is really, I'm getting a really good feedback loop from this. Well, Symphony of the Night is the only Castlevania I've managed to beat aside from Portrait of Ruin. <laughs> Did you get the, 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 the real ending with the upside down oh, castle and everything? Had to. Yes. Yeah, yeah of you course. You didn't really finish huh. it if you just got the, the fake ending. No, you got to, to really, really finish it, you got to have the ending where Maria goes after Alucard. Oh, is that it? Wow. That's, that's Is that like a yeah. super, super duper secret ending? And that's like you fill the castle map like 200% or something like that is ridiculous. And I yeah. do it every time. <laughs> Beyond that, I, aside from like classic retro games and everything, I'm a big fan of like real-time strategy, especially like StarCraft and everything. I became a big Blizzard fan because of their real-time strategy games, not because of World of Warcraft or whatever. And I like Battlefield a lot, believe it or not. I'm super hyped for Battlefield 2042. They <laughs> nice. announced a new mode. It was called Portal Mode. And they're bringing in, you know, like maps from... 1942 and Battlefield 3 and Bad Company 2. So you can have like a World War II planes flying against fighter jets and everything, a la the final countdown. It's great. I'm super <laughs> into it. That's pretty cool. Were you into Command and Conquer? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I loved the original okay. Command and I, Conquer. I, I bring it up because everyone was bringing out that Tim Curry bit because after Jeff Bezos went into space, everyone brought out that Tim Curry bit where he's saying, I'm going to the one place untouched by capitalism, space. <laughs> and of course, everyone's like, uh-huh, Tim Curry can't go to space anymore. So, so that was a meme for a bit. One of my fondest memories from Japan was hanging out with my friend Gwyn. And it was after a Kotaku party. It was like three in the morning and we were drinking whiskey and we were playing Battlefield Bad Company 2. Super broing out. <laughs> I, I was going to say, you did that while drunk. Like, how could you do, how could you command a armies while you're drunk? I was really good at Battle, Battlefield Bad Company too. I drove the tank. I was very okay. good in the tank. That's cool. Tanks are always the answer. Zan Bagel wants to know, what is the best RPG minigame ever and why is it Gwent? Ah, it's an interesting pick, Zan Bagel. What do you think, Nadia? Have you never played Witcher 3? No, but I do like in RPG card games. Um, uh, Triple Triad is such an easy answer, but it's a good one. Uh, Trails of Cold Steel 2 or 3, one of them had Vantage Master, I think it was called. That was really good. That was a fun little sort of uh, uh, Hearthstone clone that I enjoyed very much. Uh, yeah, I feel like Triple Triad and Chocobo Breeding, especially in 14, which is really, really involved, and the racing is also really, really involved. I got really, really into that, and I got a kind of return to my my chocobos and see if i can put them up for stud or whatever i'm supposed to do because yeah it is a whole basically like racehorse system that's ridiculous and i enjoy it so very very much you know zam bagel i don't actually like gwen i i've tried to play it in witcher 3 and it just did not take i did not really understand it maybe if i put more time and effort and enthusiasm into it but for whatever reason it did not get my ho its hooks in me now, and when it comes to picking the best mini game, I try to. I usually think in terms of, does it play with the mechanics in an interesting way? Is it like a game within a game? Uh, does it have really, really good rewards and that kind of thing? Like, if it gets me those two things, then I start to really get into it. I think I mentioned that I was a huge Blitzball player in Final Fantasy X. Yes, 
you've mentioned? Want to play Wandering blitz around Spira and just going, you want to play Blitzball? <laughs> want to play Blitzball? And what I did not realize was just Captain Subasa underwater, but I didn't care. Captain Subasa rules. Captain mm, Subasa is a soccer game from the NES days, among other things. But yeah, like playing Blitzball, it, it made me realize without realizing it <laughs> that I enjoyed water soccer. <laughs> There you go. It's soccer, but it's watery. So everything it's goes really soccer, slow. It's soccer, but it's watery. But yeah, they cl- clearly somebody really liked Captain Sabasa. And uh, Square Enix, especially with Final Fantasy, they just love to cram in those increasingly elaborate mini games. And it always kind of bummed me out that after Final Fantasy X, they just kind of ran out of steam and stopped doing them. 15 had fishing, I recall. It oh, had, yeah. Sorry, well, was, it, it had King's Knight. That's nothing like Blitzball, you know. No, no, but it was still kind of fun. And the boys just kind of King's Night was out. a really stupid, like, mobile game. <laughs> yes, it was. Um, God, it was an adaptation of one of Square's uh, NES games. Never mind that. Mm. And, in the, and the fishing minigame was fine, but fishing minigames are a dime a dozen. It's nothing near. But they're good. I love fishing minigames. Okay, there's one I have to mention. Fishing in Breath of Fire 3 is perfect. Fishing in Stardew Valley is almost perfect. So those are my two top two fishing mini game experiences. I liked I liked 15s a bit. There was nice feedback going on, but no Stardew Valley. Everyone's like, I hate this fishing game. I'm like, no Stardew Valley is total Breath of Fire three energy with with this fishing. It's perfect. Don't change a thing. It was fine. Uh, nah, it was fine. I thought Twilight Princess had really nice fishing because I enjoyed just sitting in the boat, feeling super chill. Didn't yeah. Red Dead Redemption 2 have a good fishing minigame? No, and that was my biggest disappointment oh. of the game. The only good thing is that uh, Arthur says silly things like, let's catch us a fish, and you, sir, are a fish, when you catch a really good one. So it's good for his Arthur. I'm Tahiti. just trying to fish here. Can you stop <laughs> mentioning Tahiti? There is actually a really, really kind of heartbreaking scene in the game. You probably remember it where uh, Dutch and... Um, and Arthur, and I can't remember the name of the, the white-haired fellow, uh, but they're just kind of all sitting in the boat fishing. Uh, Jose, that's his name. They're just kind of sitting in a boat fishing, and you could tell it's the last time they're going to be together in any sort of normal capacity. Gotta have that scene. Yep. You know it's coming, but you can't stop it. I think the real best answer is the running your own business empire in Yakuza like a dragon, mm-hmm. which is so fun. And it's really involved. It's not too hard to understand. It has a chicken named Omelet who can be (laughs) one of your best employees. It has an amazing scene where you're trying to convince shareholders to not be mad at you, which takes a little bit of figuring out. But once you get it, it's not too bad. And you get really good rewards for actually doing it. I think you get a special weapon or something like that. Or no, I think you get a character. By playing nice yeah so uh it's really easy to get sucked into that mini game and just be super involved without actually going out and playing the rest of the game and that's when you know you have a good mini game mm-hmm. right there is mm-hmm. when all you care about is the mini game and you totally forget that there's actually a story or something that you can keep playing yeah absolutely sometimes a mini game can be so engrossing you forget that there's something that the world's in peril and you should probably do something about it And the best thing about a good mini game is that it's often when a game has a chance to cut loose and get a little silly because the stakes are so much lower. Like you're not fighting crime. The world isn't under threat. 
You're just trying to build a confectionery business or breed <laughs> some chocobos or maybe get good at Blitzball. And then it seems to get the, the writing loosens up and they get a little silly. The, usually the most enjoyable characters show up uh, associated with these particular things. Hey, you have fun. You like in Final Fantasy VIII, they have a card club that's headed by Quistus and everybody's having a good time. You know, she probably demolishes everyone at Triple Triad. Well, except for me, because I I rule. <laughs> well, of course, that's a given. It takes a while to get going in Triple Triad. When I was playing uh, my most recent run through Final Fantasy VIII for the Pantheon episode, I um, took a while to actually get to the point where I was winning consistently in Triple Triad. But once I once I got there, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Just keep getting those really good cards. Charles Olavely wants to know, what's the worst game slash RPG you've ever had to push yourselves through for work or for other reasons? Nadia, what is the worst RPG you've ever had to push yourself through? You know, Don't say I... Final Fantasy VIII. <laughs> okay, I won't say Final Fantasy VIII. I don't think there has been an instance where I've had to push myself through an RPG for work. Generally this outlets that I have worked for, I have received RPGs that we knew were at least decent, so we weren't going to be wasting our time. But when I was younger, you think about, okay, well, you only have so much money to spend on games, so you want to get the most out of your purchase because you're not getting another one until your birthday, so you better make the most of it. I think in that case, uh, probably Legend of Legea. I just hated that game from top to bottom, but I bought it with my own money at a time where I didn't have a lot of money to spend on, on RPGs. So I said, you know what? Screw this. I'm pushing through it. And I tried and I tried and I tried. I don't know where I gave up. Eventually I just said, this is so boring. This is so stupid. Uh, it doesn't even make good use of a really good Stephen King trope, which is the mist. They have like monsters living in the mist and they're trying to clear it away. So I was mad about that not being used properly. And I just gave it up. And then there was a, I heard there was a, a two and I, I raged at the gods for there being a two. Also, the main character is named Vaughn, which is the name of the city north of Toronto. And their, their, their tagline, I shit you not, is quote unquote, the city above Toronto. And I think they're a bunch of jerks. So I just don't like them by association because it's like, Vaughn, you're the city that thinks you're better than us. And that's why I don't really ever want to play Legend of Legaya ever again. Thank you very much for listening to my rant. I have two games, or three games, actually. Two of them are going to make people really mad. <laughs> One of them was Legend of Dragoon, a game oh. that I purchased with my own money. <laughs> and it made me realize that RPGs could be bad. No, <laughs> the Great Awakening. It made me realize, hey, this game is just cribbing from Final Fantasy VII. Not well. It made me realize that there was such a thing as a JRPG cliche. Because that game was just one big bundle of cliches. Also, it was ugly. Had terrible music. And the only good thing were the actual Dragoon transformations. But the battle system was awful. And to this day, I am totally baffled by the nostalgia for this game. Because it was extremely forgettable. And I really did not enjoy basically one second of playing that game. And I played a lot of hours in that game. I feel like there is certainly an age gap here where the younger folks say they love Dragoon because for some reason 
for a lot of them, that was one of their very first RPGs, whereas we started with Final Fantasy VII in terms of the great CD RPG renaissance. So we kind of had the insight to say, hey, Dragoon just looks like a lesser Final Fantasy VII. And the fact that it looks so bad at that time in the PlayStation's life was so disappointing. But I could see why people who grew up with Dragoon, because it came out so late in the PlayStation's life, might be like, oh, this is this is like the new saint of RPGs. This is what I'm measuring all RPGs against. And talk about a great yardstick to measure against because everything's better than it. So no wonder you love RPGs. Taking a step back for a moment, Legend of Dragoon is competent. It's fine. It's not too bad. But it's just so forgettable. The characters are forgettable. It cribs most of its stories from superior material. It's not very good looking. Like, it came out in 2000, so it was late PlayStation. And if you look at some of its contemporaries, like Final Fantasy, Valkyrie Profile games like Chrono that. Chrono Cross was out. Chrono Cross. Yeah. This will blow it out of the water. And yeah. this is a game. And before you say, oh, well, come on, that's unfair. You're comparing it to the best of the cream. Guess what? This game was made by Sony. It was a first-party title. It had a lot of money behind it. They really wanted a good game. And guess what? It stunk. So They really wanted it to be their RPG franchise, the way that Square had Final Fantasy. They wanted to have Legend of Dragoon, and it just did not work out. The second one was uh, Tales of Symphonia. I did not like that game. Oh, (laughs) dear. Oh, no. There goes all our subscribers. They're coming for me. It was just... It wasn't that bad. I, I rented it and I kept playing it because it was the summer of 2004 when I had no cable, no internet, no nothing. And I was going through my old live journal a while ago, which don't go looking for it. It's not on the internet anymore. And sure. I found a post that was going, yeah, I was trying to enjoy Tales of Symphonia, but it just wasn't taking. I kept pushing and pushing and pushing and I don't know what's going on. This game, I just do not like it. And I said, it's in the meantime, I went back and beat Fire Emblem again. Mm. <laughs> like, because I was so into Fire Emblem that summer. Like, it was the summer of Fire Emblem for me. And I was like, I went back and beat Fire Emblem effortlessly. Tales of Symphonia just didn't grab me. Because at the time, I think it was too similar to Final Fantasy X and things uh. like that. And so the story really wasn't grabbing me. It was fine. I don't know. I don't know what really grabs people about Tales of Symphonia. The music, I suppose. Uh, the art. Maybe I can get Eric Van Allen to talk about it. I'm sure he can. He's going to tell you the history of the world if you get him on here. But yeah, he'll tell you exactly what you're missing out on. I don't know. I did not play Symphonia. I just want to know. Was that the same summer you had the House of Bugs? Yes, that was the House of Bugs. Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> I associate anytime you talk about that era of gaming for yourself i just think oh god that was the house full of bugs wasn't it <laughs> It was the house of bugs when i was playing that was when i beat ocarina of time and i beat uh fire emblem and advance wars and uh played a lot of pokemon coliseum while being surrounded by horrible horrible bugs and i really wanted to like tales and symphonia just didn't but the real answer is hyperdimension neptunia i really hated that game <laughs> Oh, and you had to review it, didn't you? I had to review it for GameSpot. My review's somewhere. Probably on GameSpot. (laughs) (laughs) I think I gave it like a two. It was just a miserable experience. It wasn't that witty. Like, the concept is interesting. Yeah, Where they're going, 
you know, it's console wars, but in an RPG form, I'm like, I'm into it. But they don't really do a great job of capturing that aspect. I think the humor is not really on point. It's just all about, you know, waifu stuff. The titties. And yeah, like the people who are defending that game are really saying, I'm into the girls and the art. That's what yeah. they're saying. The game itself is not good. It's a bad game. Yeah, I've never played a Neptunia game. I am disappointed, though, that the whole idea of having a console war JRPG that is kind of reduced to that is a little dis- disappointing. But eh, you do you, I guess. Yeah, we used to work with somebody who was really into those games and defended them to the hilt. And I hope that he's having a really nice life right now. Yeah, me too. If you want to defend your, your console wives, that's uh, your your call. Hey, you know what? We all have our thing. I really like we giant do. robots, you know. I like cat boys. What can I say? What can I say? But those were some of the worst RPGs that I've ever had to sit through. And you know what, Nadia? I did actually hate a Super Robot Wars. Which at one? one point. It was the first ever RPG I ever uh, actually reviewed for one of. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, uh, it was, uh, but it wasn't an actual Super Robot Wars game. It was uh, Super Robot Wars OG Endless Frontier, mm. which was not good. It was quite pretty on the Nintendo DS. It was just so monotonous. Battles took so long to complete. And you're just doing dialogue combos over and over and over and over again. And then subsequently, I really did not like uh, Project Cross Zone. Right. Yeah. Kind Which of again, the same thing. Very, mon- very monotonous. Project Cross Zone, yes, the battle system is absolutely monotonous. I was just talking about Cross Zone on Twitter this weekend, or this week rather. And in terms, if you're going to play those games, it's because you want the fan service. And the, to this day, number two, the, the second game is still one of the funniest games I ever played in my life. The fact that they have these these characters and they all act in character. Number one, that's a really tricky localization thing to do, really tricky writing as well. But when you have small touches like the game opening with Phoenix Wright having to defend Majima in court like just small things like that it's just the kind of game that has so much fun so much humor really looks nice but extremely monotonous the battle scenes can drag on for a long time the first project cross zone i don't think had that level of writing nor was it that clever for the most part the characters were just like oh we're going into another world oh here come the resident evil people i think they were in that game and you know if it did not really feel like it was making good use of the source material. Certainly not in the same way as Super Robot Wars. So maybe Project Cross Zone 2 was a lot better in that regard. I think so. Um, I will say that the first game did have a kind of interesting little vignette with the Mega NX uh, storyline where Vile, of course, who was evil, the henchman of Sigma in a way, revives Iris, who is Zero's dead girlfriend, and it kind of gets a little bit messed up, and I thought that was kind of a neat storyline, but... Yeah, it's definitely, I, from what I've seen of the first game, it doesn't really have the level of wit that the second one does, which has a line with Majima asking Axel Stone if all the cops are as enthusiastic as he is in Canada or wherever he comes from. Somebody suggested that we do a pandemonium of the blood god, which is the opposite of the pantheon. I kind of like that. That sounds like... RPGs be, be consigned to hell. Yes. The problem is playing a bad RPG tends to be a real bear. You don't really want to actually play through them because you're playing through 50 hours of horror. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, there is a YouTube series I like by, uh, I can't remember, Rerez, who is called It's Just Bad. And it's them going through 
detail about what makes a game bad and it's really hilarious but it sounds like it's kind of miserable because you have to play the whole thing and sometimes they just play these really awful glitchy matches (laughs) but they're pretty funny about it i have no interest in ever playing mass effect andromeda again a game that i Mm -hmm. reviewed and finished so yeah but that wasn't even bad so much it was just extremely average it was pretty forgettable yeah 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 Yeah. playing mass effect legendary edition made me remember just how forgettable Mass Effect Andromeda was by comparison. It's like Mass Effect Legendary Edition was just on another level compared to Andromeda. Mm-hmm. All right, this question is from Abekin. Other genres have been taking things from RPGs for a long time now, levels, stat points, etc. Is there a genre that could use more of an RPG influence or an aspect of RPGs that you'd like to see applied to other genres? What do you think, Nadia? That's hard to say because it feels like RPG mechanics are in everything now. It feels like everything's all wound up together. Um, I always liked platformers that somehow implement stat boosts. Like, I get a certain satisfaction out of simple leveling up mechanics. Like, uh, here's a good example. Uh, Death's Door has a, a thing where you die, you exchange your souls to level up, and it's a and it makes you stronger, makes you faster, et cetera. And it's just a very simple mechanic that, despite its simplicity, makes me feel cool and good. And hey, look, I'm strong. Hey, look, I'm smart. Even though in real life we all know the opposite is true. And I just like it when simpler games implement those simple mecha- those simple growth mechanics. I just I just like that. My problem with games like, say, Horizon Zero Dawn or God of War or any game that takes RPG mechanics is that they tend to be quite superficial. There's no real thought being given to how you build your character and that kind of thing. Whereas, interestingly enough, Pocket Card Jockey, a game that is not an RPG, it's a horse solitaire game that has horse racing and everything, it borrows some RPG elements and a certain dash of RPG storytelling and gives you a real sense of progression that I really enjoyed and that is totally absent from games like Horizon Zero Dawn. So that's kind of what I like to see is this feeling of you're growing in power within this universe. Mm -hmm. And more to the point, I want choices. I want more choices, choices that mean something. And you're starting to see that a little bit in certain games where they're having kind of branching paths and that kind of thing, similar to what you might find in, say, Witcher 3. And I want to see that more in, say, like sports games, this feeling that Mm. you are making a narrative that is all of your own rather than just having straight up XP. And maybe we're seeing that in this year's Madden because this year's Madden career mode is going to have these randomly generated scenarios that are based in part with how your season is going. Like you might have, if you're losing and you have a really old player on your team, they'll come up to you and say, hey coach, I'm going to like retire if you uh. if we don't start winning. Like I think I might want to leave or something. Or if you have like a superstar, they might say demand a trade. Or if you have a rookie who's like really breaking out, like, and then it becomes an ongoing storyline where that is kind of dependent on your actions. And it might turn out to be really simplistic and not very good, but I actually have high hopes. And that is that feels very role-playing to me. I feel like almost all games could benefit from the really quick, witty, amazing storytelling that they had in Hades. That mm. was took a, an enormous amount of effort, I know, on uh, Supergiant Games' part, but 
it was such a unique, interesting way of telling a story. And I was never, ever bored. And I was never occupied for more than like three seconds at a time. It was absolutely perfect. And I would love to see something more like that. But of course, the story has to be good. It can't be bad. (laughs) Yeah, at a basic level, it's not XP. It's not skill trees, which are from the strategy genre anyway. Mm -hmm. It is about having to actually think about how you build your character. It is feeling like you are actually invested in the world that you are in and the choices you make matter. If they can capture that, then they are one giant step toward being an RPG. If they don't have that, then they are just RPG elements and superficial ones at that. Yes, there is certainly a distinction here. Dr. Horror says, I am wondering if there is a favorite anime, movie, or TV show that has had an impact on your video game tastes, i.e., so not necessarily a licensed video game based on a particular property, but playing certain games or subgenres because they invoke some way that favorite anime, movie, or TV show. Nadia? I almost feel like I can't answer this the way you're asking it, but I can certainly answer the opposite and that have games inspired your media tastes, in which case, absolutely. Uh, the most easiest example would be Toriyama. I loved his design work in, in Dragon Quest and uh, I found myself attracted to Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z very easily for that reason, even though I didn't really realize the two, you know, you're looking at the same mangaka here. So, yeah, that certainly applies. Like, I'm still a huge Toriyama fan. I really, really love his monster designs in anything he does. Like, I think the character Beerus, just such a simple, elegant, cool design. He's so good at at, at making these monsters and stuff. And I'm always looking for that sort of thing in anime and what have you. Like, where's the cool monsters? I want to see the cool monsters and the cool animals and stuff like that. I ended up liking Kill Bill, a Quentin Tarantino movie. Because it felt like a video game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, when you think about it, there was a time when a lot of movies felt like video games, sometimes very much on purpose. Like, I feel like Scott Pilgrim was ahead of its time, but yeah. I've had multiple video games inspire my media tastes elsewhere. For mm. example, I was not really a Star Wars fan until I started playing TIE Fighter. Right. And I loved TIE Fighter so much that it made me a giant Star Wars fan for a long time. Similarly, I did not like giant robots at all, really, until I started playing Super Robot Wars. I played Super Robot Wars because I was doing it for research on a list feature that I was doing, and because I, you know, it looked pretty, and the designs were so good, the music was so good, and everything about it was so good that I was inspired to start watching the shows And subsequently, I became a Mecha fan. So there will be a lot of instances where games will inspire me to watch a thing rather than the opposite. Here's the thing, Nadia. I'm much more of a video game enthusiast than I am a cinephile or a TV watcher. I watch TV. I watch movies. But by and large, I play video games way more than I do either because I find watching TV to be a little inert. It's... It's a group activity. It is a thing that I do with friends. I don't do on my own. And if I do have TV on, probably I have a video game that I'm playing at that given moment. Yeah, I'm very much the same way. I find I have a hard time sitting through most movies. 
I don't know if it's an attention deficit thing. I don't know if it's just I. I think that the manner of storytelling really bothers me. I absolutely love to read to the point that if I am absorbed in a book, I will get dangerously absorbed in it to the point that I will forget everything else. I mean, I can stop myself from playing an RPG or whatever anytime and say, okay, I've had enough. I'm getting up. I'm doing something else. But when I'm in a book, I will not let it go. I'm like a pit bull, basically. So I love reading that much. And I'm not being like, I'm not saying like, oh, T, uh, TV movies are inferior. That's not it at all. I just being narrated to versus being able to control the speed of my of how that narration I absorb it. That bothers me a lot, and it's something I'm trying to desperately overcome so I can sit still and watch movies. I find it helps a lot if I turn on subtitles. So there's a oh plus one for subtitles, of course. Yeah, and I don't really follow too many TV series. Like I'll be watching the new He Man, which is out today as of this recording. So I'll be giving that a glance, but otherwise I watch stuff with my husband. We watch some of the, some YouTubers. We just follow a few series, mostly animated to be honest with you. And uh, yeah, I just do not consume a lot of media outside of video games and books. I really, I'm excited about Ted Lasso being back. Yes. <laughs> do you know anything about Ted Lasso? No. Ted Lasso literally started as a commercial, I think. And it was about an American football coach who takes over an English Premier League team. In that case, Tottenham Hotspur, and he was played by Jason Sudeikis. And it was the fish out of water kind of comedy. And then they turned that into a TV show. And I was like, there's no way this is going to work. And the TV show was one of the most wholesome and wonderful things I've ever watched. Aww. And it was great. And it was very in touch with its feelings. And now season two is out. And I'm very excited about that. But yeah, see, you and I both have we have series that we follow, but we're not I am not this kind of person to sit there and can do a Netflix binge or a Netflix no, crawl. God, no, no, I usually I will pick one show. I will watch it to completion, probably with um, my household or something like we just finished watching mm -hmm. Loki, for example. Right. See, I, I'm like, OK, Loki, something I should watch. Uh, I haven't really signed up for Disney Plus yet. And I'm like, oh, I'll do that later. Yeah, and like, I just for like a free year, it. I think. Yeah. With Xbox. Uh, I think yeah, do it. Xbox go. It's worth Game it. Pass, you can do it. Yeah, I should. Mandalorian it, is so good. I am so mad at how I grew up with all this, like this, like fragmented cable crap, and then they just brought it right back. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. <laughs> that was great. Good show. But to answer your question, Doctor Horror, if I could get a game that gave me the feeling of Star Trek, I totally would. Give me all I want in my life is a true RPG in which I'm a starship captain. That would be so great. Where Maybe Starfield exactly what you want then. Yeah. Like, give me a game where I'm recruiting a crew and I can customize my ship to my liking and I can explore the galaxy at will. Mass Effect gets really close to that, but there's not enough control over the Normandy itself. And mm -hmm. it's kind of lacking a recruiting element. It's much more linear and the way that it approaches it, I am thinking much more in terms of like more of a sandbox feel. I'm kind of, I'm really hopeful that Starfield captures that feeling. And I'll, also I want a big ship, not a kind of a gunship <laughs> as it were. Big ship. I, I like little ships. I like cute little ships. I like And like I'm Santa's upgrading my ship. ship. I want to upgrade my ship. As Why don't you just have on. a flying city, like a, a cat city? Has the neon signs flashing, says I played, Catland or something. I played so much Star Trek online. Because it it let me do that. Like I was a captain, I could create my crew from scratch, 
I was continually upgrading my ship. Star Trek Online, on the whole, wasn't the best game, but I really enjoyed it for that reason. I put a few hundred hours into it. And also, if I could get a game that accurately captured the feeling of Harry Potter without being kind of bad like Harry Potter, I would totally play that game too. This, I mean, there's Bully, I suppose? Like, something like that. I haven't played Bully, but whatever happened to that game Chucklefish was working on that was supposed to be the Harry Potter? Oh, Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait to play that game someday. <laughs> someday. It just kind of faded out of development. existence. Yeah, it just okay. takes a while to make a game. Oh, that's true. I hope it comes back and it's like, hey, it's out tomorrow. And we're all like, yay, and it'll be great and we'll have fun and you'll have your floating wizard city or whatever you want. Truthfully, Nadia, I like RPGs a lot, but I actually hew more towards simulations in some ways. Games like Stardew Valley, where I have a huge amount of control over how the world develops. Because I, I like any game that feels lived in. The world feels lived in, right? Yeah. And if I can feel like I've been transported into something like commanding a starship or running a farm or being in a magic academy, and I am actually there, then that is my game. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. That's very much you. I mean, you were the person who played Fallout 4, and you had a whole settlement just ground up going, didn't you? All the settlements. You had everything except for the death. You couldn't get the death claw that someone online get got. And it would line up for drinks every day. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it was you very could build, cute. Um, you, you could build a whole zoo or something in your... Yeah. Uh, you, you could build arenas. Yeah, but there was just a death claw wandering around their settlement and like lining up for stuff. And it was really cute. Yeah. I never did that. Should have. I think I, it was a bug. I'm actually going to sell... I'm going to sell my copy of Fallout 4. Alas. <gasps> Why? I actually... Uh, I had somebody from Acts of the Blood God um, say that they wanted to uh, buy my Wii U. So, oh, cool. That was nice. So I'm going to oh, sell awesome. them my Wii U. Um, which, by the way, I have a, a PS4 and a whole lot of games. If you want to if you want to buy that. So PS4 Pro, just uh, get in touch with me. DMs These are, are the benefits of being Blood God fans. Yeah. You can have my PS4 Pro for money. I will for sell money. it to you. <laughs> I think that's a fair exchange. Money can be exchanged for good and services. Final question. This one is from Zubatman. Nadia, this one's for you. What's your favorite dinosaur? <laughs> that's totally for me i am the biggest freaking dinosaur nut uh i'm dinonychus what the heck is that you know how jurassic park the velociraptors were not really velociraptors i know it made me so mad they're actually dinonychus's but which they're is little the same I, no dinonychus is huge oh. dinonychus was the size of what the raptors dinonychus is what the raptors were supposed to be in jurassic park but there was some mix up with the labeling or it wasn't clear at the time velociraptor sounds cooler velociraptor does honestly sound cooler and velociraptor is from a totally different part of the world velociraptor is like china mongolia dinonychus is north america so it made more sense for them being in jurassic park yeah um dinonychus is definitely my favorite dinosaur i like all dinosaurs i love studying dinosaurs and just like that era in general i kind of wish i was a paleontologist i don't have strong opinions about dinosaurs nadia that disappoints me, Kat. I guess I will throw a dart at a dartboard and say T-Rex. T-Rex is a good safe bet. I, uh, I mean, one thing I like about Monster Hunter is you have all those monsters that really emulate the their dinosaurs, but really have a, a certain flair that makes them gives them that prehistoric established coolness combined with new coolness. Like my absolute favorite monster, I think, other than Nagakuga, is um, the I, I can't remember its name. 
but it's the weird snake squirrel flying thing that's white and full of electricity and is always looks like it's always on the verge of losing its shit. Which one is that? Well, you don't know. It was I think it, it would debuted in Monster Hunter World. Are we talking full- about the electric guy? Yeah, the electricity guy. Yeah, I, I yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. He's awesome. He just looks like he's about to lose it. I absolutely adore him. He's great in Monster Hunter stories too. But that's what I love about Monster Hunter uh, in general is it takes everything that dinosaurs were and everything that who knows will discover that they will be and makes it into a game. And you just have everything like dragons and dinosaurs with feathers, dinosaurs without feathers, dinosaurs had feathers, by the way. I will not argue with people on this. This is scientifically proven. It was scientifically proven in the 1800s, but some asshole said no that's impossible there's no way they had feathers they can't be descended from birds and it went like lizards all the way down for ages after that but they are stopped being cool when i found out they had feathers see that's what makes me mad that's what makes me mad because dinosaurs with feathers are so boss like if you look up Mm -hmm. a dinonychus you don't want that thing running at you feathers or no (laughs) you you think dinosaurs with feathers like aren't scary and go talk to a cassowary and come back to me see how you do with that we'll talk about dinosaurs with feathers when i was growing up I enjoyed Dino Riders. I remember Dino Riders. Me too. It was dinosaurs, only they had like mechanical things attached to them and people rode them. I didn't know what the story was and I couldn't find the cartoon on TV very easily because it was prehistoric times and we didn't have streaming services. But I loved the idea of Dino Riders and the toys were so great. And all I can say is, they're rebooting He-Man and all of the other shows. Bring back Dino Riders. The time has come. I actually, um, I won't name the company, but I wrote a really long proposal about a RPG where uh, people in Dino, like dinosaurs would come back mysteriously and people had to deal with this. And this was like an RPG where it was an instance, a capsule where you had to go from your ruined apartment to safety but you had like you were hunt- being hunted by dinosaurs the whole time, and I thought it was really cool. And they asked me to write this long ass proposal because they were interested. And then like six thousand words later, they take one look and give me a a form rejection. And I said, "Oh no, you don't! You're not giving me a form rejection after six thousand words." So I dragged it all out of them. But the, the end story is I had a really good story about this dinosaurs coming back to Earth, and it got rejected for an RPG, and I'm sad. Boo! I would have played this Nadia RPG. I think it would have been cool. Maybe I should just turn it into a regular story. There you go. You could get funding now. Come on. Yeah, pretty much. I should really write more fiction. You should. I think I love that writing fiction. You're good. At, you're a good writer, Nadia. You're a great writer, and hell, you're doing writing. localization work. That's like writing fiction. Yeah, localization was very interesting in that regard. I did feel like it's a good fit for me because um, it takes a long time to learn how people talk and how to write that. And looking back at my older writing, it's really interesting because when I was 20, I thought I was hot shit. And I was good at writing environments and terrible at writing dialogue. But I thought I had peaked at like 24 or something ridiculous like that. You never peak. You never, ever, ever peak. You got to keep working at it. And that's fine. You can be good without being perfect. So keep working at it. And if you read my stuff, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I thought I was such a good writer when I was a teenager because everybody kept telling me that I was. And I just got to say, positive reinforcement, it's bad. So people will be- <laughs> believe that they're much better than they are. I had a very inflated sense of self about my own writing. But thankfully, I've come back to earth about that. 
in the years since. I know that like my writing's fine, but I, I do it for a living, so I must be okay at it. But that's kind of the thing. I was surprised when we worked under Katie how much my writing improved because she was just an incredible editor, and I thought was... I had things under control. She taught me that no, I am still making a lot of mistakes. I am really, really trying to write in the active voice. I have such a bad habit of writing in passive. Now, passive isn't always bad, but if you can write in active, try to write in active. It was at US Gamer that I learned how to really structure an article and really right. learned how to structure an argument. And it was kind of remarkable how much easier edits got when I went back into the freelance pool after the US Gamer times, where I will like always brace myself for like multiple rounds of edits and just my article being super marked up and they'll go, no, this is really good. Really enjoy it. Great job, Kat. Just a few minor notes right here. And I'm just like, cool. Yeah. (laughs) All right. I think you're lying to me, but that's fine. No, I'm the same to the point that now I said I was going to kind of get away from writing about games, but people seek me out now because they're like, hey, we really liked your last article. Can you uh, write another one? I was like, well, sure. You're a good writer, Nadia. I'm glad. I'm glad I'm good at something. I'm glad that you're able to be paid what you're worth. Thank you. I'm finally glad to be actually paid what I'm worth. It's nice. (laughs) I like to keep it up if I can. And on that note... That is the end of this episode of Acts of the Blood God. Thank you so much to everybody who submitted an article. And hey, if you want to go hang out with all the cool people who submitted these questions, you can give us just $1 to our Patreon, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod. Come hang out on our Discord. It's a good group of people. We've had a little influx of people recently. It's been a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, you can follow me on Twitter at the underscore catbot. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford. We have various Patreon projects going up. We had Summer of the Rings last week and Nadia's Final Fantasy XIV podcast the week before. I can never remember the name, unfortunately. Charlie and Dropouts. Charlie and Dropouts. And the Pantheon of the Blood God, which is going to be Fantasy Stars, coming out this week. So much bonus content. In the meantime, we are out. We'll be back next week to review Neo, The World Ends With You, and Chris Tales and various other RPGs. But until then, for Nadia and myself, thanks for listening. And until next time, happy adventuring. I'm escaping to the one place that hasn't been corrupted by capitalism. Space!